0: Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast.
2: It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name's Sammy James. Welcome to the show. Today, I'm joined by Drew Heatley. Hello. Hi, Sammy. And we are joined by one of the very few men who have both played and managed Fulham Football Club delighted to say we have Kit Simons alongside us hi Kit welcome to the pod hello boys Um, thanks for coming on how are you?
3: Yeah, pretty good overall. Yeah, just had a second hip replace, so I'm uh, limping about a little bit, but um, uh, doing very well, thanks.
2: Nice. Well, it's um, an honour to have you on the show today. We really want to get into kind of both sides of your time at Fulham, both kind of the playing time and also the the managerial stint at Fulham, but also just a a catch-up and uh, and good to find out. Obviously, um, you finished your most recent job uh, over in Greece, Um, so what kind of stuff have you been up to um, in the past few months since, since that ended?
3: Yeah, so I did um, did eighteen months over with with Cookie over in uh, in Athens with a club called Atromatos in the Greek Super League. That was that was um, really good fun. Enjoyed that. And then since then, I've come back now and um, uh, been doing do some match delegate work for the Premier League, going to games and um, sort of dealing with the referees and, and speaking with them. And that's obviously uh, very interesting at the moment with, with what's going on within the game. Um, few commentary bits here and there, a little bit of coaching here and there for some, some private stuff. So yeah, just doing a few things ticking along, really getting out to a few games and uh, yeah, just enjoying myself really. I mean, it's nice to be back at home for, for a while.
2: Yeah. And, and still keeping an eye on on the Fulham?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I all, all the teams that I played for, um, when I was, you know, back then, certainly when I, when I played, you sort of like immersed yourself and threw yourself into, into every club I had obviously three and a bit years playing at Fulham and then came back and and sort of worked scouting with Roy in the Europa League season Um, and then doing loads of work in the academy, getting assistant under 18s with with Gary and Gary Brazil and then took the 18s, took the 21s and then obviously became first team manager. So I've got a long association with the club, a lot of history there, done pretty much every job available at the football club. And uh, yes, I've got a, certainly got a, a strong soft spot still for Fulham without a doubt.
2: Yeah. Well, let's go back to your, um, your playing days, you and, uh, you and Chris at the back, obviously that's where you, uh, formed the partnership that would last for, for so many years. Uh, Wells' answer to Anton Deck at the back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's
3: why, yeah, that's one way of putting it, yeah. <laughs>
2: what, were, what were your first memories or first impressions when, when you arrived at Fulham? It was obviously a very exciting time.
3: Yeah, it was. Well, I, I, I was just leaving Man City and, um, I'd actually spoken to Sheffield United and pretty much agreed to sign for them. We are obviously a league higher than Fulham were at the time. Um, and then Cookie phoned me up and um, had a chat. He'd signed a few months earlier. Um, and, uh, and I explained the situation to him. He said, oh, I come down and talk to us. Yeah, I've got Kevin Keegan here. Speak to Kevin. So he he put Kevin on the phone. And Kevin said, just just said, listen, just give us a courtesy of coming down and talking to us before you, you make any, any decisions. So I went, yeah, no problem. So... Um, you know, ultimately it was Kevin Keegan on the phone. So I was a bit impressed. I didn't want to upset him too much. So I went, okay, fair enough. I'll, before I make a decision, I'll, I'll come down and talk to you. But I pretty much made my mind up, um, obviously to stay a, a, a league higher with, with Sheffield United. Um, came down, met with Kevin, and it was Neil Rodford then was the chief exec. Took me around, around the cottage, which was obviously a, a, a very quaint, beautiful building. Um didn't take me to training ground because we didn't have one. We used, to train, <laughs> we used to train. At that time, we'd train at the Bank of England. So they made sure, obviously, to just take me around the cottage. And um, Bottom line, Kevin sold me the, the five-year dream of, of, of the owner, of, of Mohamed Al-Fayed. Five-year dream will be in the Premier League within this time. Um, and for some reason, I, I completely bought it. And I ended up signing a league lower for less money than what had been promised at... Sheffield United. So I'm not sure how good a deal that was, but it was a it was a great decision and um, one to this day I I I've sort of certainly don't regret and did the right thing and it led to a, a strong and and some brilliant memories I had with the club. Yeah. so I try and look back to an
1: equivalent sort of move from Kevin Keegan going to Fulham and you're looking at like you know a Pochettino or a Klopp or something there was no English there's no real top British managers at the top of the game at the moment like that so I'm looking at like Premier League managers going down to League One and it's just like there's nothing really comparable obviously you say Keegan brought you to the club like that is that was he the the main factor or was it like obviously New Cookie as well
3: it was a little bit of a combination of the two really um, and then like I say I came down and then met with Neil Rodford and just walking around, um, around the cottage and it just I just got a really good feel because like I say everything you know was telling me I, I, I also if I had assigned Sheffield United I could have stayed where I was living just outside Altrincham um, and driven across the top every day and um, so I could have commuted from where I just had the first um, first of my three girls it was like a baby in arms Millie my eldest one so it would have just made sense to stay there but just I just got such a good feel for it and when Kevin told me about this five-year dream of being, or plan dream, whatever you want to call it, of being in the Premier League, I, I believed it completely. And ultimately, it was it was within three years of you know um, of me getting there. So I did I did right to believe him. Um, but it, it was yeah. So I think it was probably a combination of of Kevin was a very sort of charismatic manager, and he carried a lot of sway. Knowing Cookie, obviously, and having played with him with. Wales at younger age groups and, and the senior sides, we, we, we were sort of friends already. Um, and like I say, it was a decision I certainly uh, certainly don't regret.
1: You obviously, didn't waste any time smashing uh, what was then Division 2. Uh, what were your best memories of that season?
3: Well, straight away, to be honest, I think the scene was set straight away. I think I, I came down and signed on the Thursday. and I think the Friday we went off to Hamburg um, and played Hamburg in a pre-season friendly. And, um obviously Kevin was like, here I worshipped over there, so, and we like, we sort of set our store. I mean, they were a good side, obviously Hamburg, but I think we won 2-0, I think, and um, but we set in, we, we were straight away, we were, it, it wasn't tactics from Kevin, it was just, me and Cookie, like, we, we could get battered if we're not careful, so we we just really sat in, and were very dogged, um, and we got a win, and it's like, straight away, you, you, I just got such a great feeling, and then, we had a night out in a reaper barn afterwards as well, which, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we were going back to the hotel and we were in the middle of nowhere. Kevin had been sort of hero worshipped. It was at, at, um, at Hamburg training ground the game. And obviously he, he was like, revered there, um, as you would imagine. And uh, we came back. So he was quite happy with, with the way things had gone. And so Cookie, I think it was our last game pre-season, I think Cookie said, "Gaffer, can the boys have a, have a, have a beer tonight? And so Kevin, we were in the middle of nowhere. We were staying. I think Kevin thought, yeah, we'd have a beer in the hotel. That was green light for taxis into the Reaper Bar. So we we're all like, I remember seeing a load of Fulham fans out. We we're like, what are you lot doing here? We were all out in our club tracksuits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it sort of set the tone, really, and it was just, it was just a fabulous season. I mean, for me, I'd come from um, I had two relegations in three years at Man City. So I was sort of at my lowest ever as a player. And then to come in to to sign for Fulham and and Probably have my my most enjoyable season ever. I mean, I ended up scoring eleven goals, which was you know, incredible for me. You know, I didn't expect to do that sort of thing. I couldn't couldn't hit a barn door normally, so mm-hmm. I scored eleven goals. I still don't quite know, but um, it was fantastic. And everything just straight from from word go, sort of hit the ground running. Like I say, with that with that Hamburg trip and and the match and the way it went, and I just expected good things, and, and they they certainly came.
1: You mentioned 11 goals. I had that in the notes and you and Cookie and Morgues were sharing them all out. I mean, what's happened to like, nowadays we don't really get too many of our defenders scoring too many goals. I mean, 11 in the season and share that as well. I mean, what's what was the secret to that? Because that's uh, something we could really do with.
3: Well, it was, I mean, let's say I got 11, I think I know, Cookie got eight or something, Morgues got seven or something like that. So between the three of us, but I mean, there's, there's no real secret. It was Frank Sibley used to torture us after training and, and we, we'd go through it just... Uh, not hours and hours, but probably good half hour at the end of most training sessions. Frank would get us boys, and, and Steve awood was was a taker who had very good delivery. Steve, um, and it was a lot of foot, a lot of work. Frank just got us doing it over and over again, so it's repetition. And I mean, he was brilliant, Frank. So Kevin obviously gets um, a lot of the accolades for that season, and, and rightly so. He he was brilliant, Kevin. But but Frank Sibley, who was his coach uh, and assistant, did did an awful lot of work. I say especially with us as well, He, you know, and we had we had a, a good record of, of like clean sheets and, and goals against as well. But he then expected us to, to score a few at the other end as well. So, yeah, Frank should take a lot of the credit for that. And, and also, like I say, Stevie Hayward's delivery as well was, was brilliant. Um, and
1: then obviously, you know, sort of a couple of years later, romping Division One as well. Which one stands out to you as the most enjoyable campaign? Because two very, very different managers.
3: Yeah, very, I mean, probably probably the first one for me. I mean, I played every game that first season. I'm not saying personally scored 11 goals. And it was, we, we had great fun as well. We had a really, like, an incredible team spirit. Uh, I've been in a lot of clubs with, with good team spirits. And we had the Wales set up in 2016, which was incredible for, for the camaraderie and the togetherness of, of the players and staff together. Um, but that, that was something special that that first season. Kevin um and it was because it, it was we had we had good players in that league and but we we had a lot of scrappy horrible one nil wins away from home and cold afternoons or we beat start member winning away at Stoke I think it was a Tuesday night one nil yeah, yeah exactly and but we go to these places that are, uh you know traditionally are really tough to, and and if it wasn't a we could play really nice football, but at times we could mix it and roll our sleeves up and fight and scrap and get those those really tough 1-0 wins, which ultimately can win you the league. And, and they did for us that season. So I think for overall, the togetherness and, and just, I, I love that first season. But then, I mean, the, the football that was played under Tagana was, was ridiculous. That was just another level um, for, for the actual quality of play probably forever and a laugh and pure enjoyment. <laughs> yeah. First season all day long for me.
2: And Mohammed Al-Fayed obviously passed away recently. What was it like those kind of heady years under him? Because I think a lot of stories about, about Al-Fayed and the time there as he came out after, after his after his passing, it seemed like everything was achievable. And to Mohammed Al-Fayed, you know, I, we, we heard the story about how he wanted to sign... Ronaldo and, and all of this, like he really, at that point, there was nothing that was on off the cards for Fulham. Obviously, eventually he kind of realised, okay, maybe winning the Champions League and all of that is, is not actually possible. But in those kind of years going up the divisions, I think he genuinely thought nothing was impossible.
3: No. And if you look at it, I mean, when you know, like I say this initial dream, you know, we were like third tier and he's saying Premier League in five years. It's a bit a bit optimistic, really. But like I say, it wasn't. And then we, we did it in three. Um, and he was he was just such a, a colourful character and and but but like you say once he, if he put his mind to something you you wouldn't rule anything out you know and I mean, there were such yeah such brilliant days and just I mean so Hugh Grant was always at the games and Michael Jackson turned up at a game and it was like unbelievable times Tony Curtis. It, L- Lily ask- Allen and Keith, and that were always there. It's been it brilliant, great times.
2: Can we ask you about Michael Jackson?
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, my <laughs> Michael Jackson is. There was talk that um, uh, he was going to be coming to the game, and like the rumours were going around. And we, so we, the players were all talking before the game. We're like, well, this it must be a lookalike or something. So <laughs> we weren't really having it. And then anyway, we played the game, and um, it was Wigan. Wigan at the cottage, and we won two 0 and. Um, I I might have scored one with my left foot that day, if I remember rightly, yeah, in the Hammersmith end, I didn't score many with my left foot, so I remember that one. <laughs> and uh, so we come in, we've won 2-0, brilliant. So the boys are all buzzing and I'd got a whack on my leg, I've got a dead leg. So um, uh, I've got to ice my leg in the change room. So I'm sitting on my own in the change room and the boys all go out for their, their warm down and the ones who didn't play do a little bit of top-up running or whatever. And uh, so I'm sitting on my own, completely on my own in the change room and um, the boss walks in, having that fight walks in, with Michael Jackson behind him. And I'm like, Oh my God. And uh, so I say hello to the chairman and Michael Jackson says to me, Hey, great game. And I'm <laughs> like, it's Michael Jackson. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I was like completely sort of starstruck and like sort of gawping at him. And I, I should have gone, yeah, thriller or not, not bad or something. You know what I mean? But I just went, uh, nodded and like, couldn't speak. And then they walked through to like, what was then the players lounge and that. So, uh, and the boys all come in, and I'm like, lads, you never guess what? I've just met Michael Jackson. They're like, Well, you never guess what. We've just had our picture taken on the pitch. They've got a team photo with with all the lads, um, the boss and and Michael Jackson in this photo, which I've got a copy at home, and obviously everyone's in it apart from me, because I was <laughs> icing my leg in the changing room.
2: But you got a personal uh, meeting, greet. I got so- a personal
3: meeting, and Michael Jackson said to me, Hey, great game. But then um, <laughs> it goes on for an hour, a little bit. Then when the boys are all getting showered up and stuff, and then um my uh, the, the owner walk the boss walks back through and says, Boys, boys, watch your willies. And then Michael <laughs> Jackson walks in behind him. So you're like, it's typical Mohammed Al Fayed to come out with something like that. And the boys be fair, all covered up, and then uh, <laughs> but it was, uh, it was just quite a bizarre, extraordinary uh, time. But um yeah, that was Michael Jackson at Craven Cottage.
2: I mean, we um, did uh, a Fulhamish episode on on Michael Jackson coming to the cottage, and uh, we found out that um, it was Michael Jackson's first ever sporting match. Not okay, the, it, all of the sporting matches he could have gone to: American football, basketball, anything over in the states, and. Fulham v Wigan was his first. That was his ever first one. ever.
3: There we go. Yeah, <laughs> they, they didn't
1: ma- they didn't match him up with Michael Jordan at a Bulls game. They, they decided actually, you know, we're going to bring him. we with, with fired to Fulham. You know, incredible, you wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: Well, it goes to show about the, like, the the sort of pull of Mohamed i fired and and the, yeah, the steam he was held. I suppose. Yeah, incredible. Yeah.
1: Your last season at the club as a player was in the Premier League, and you look at it, you're disappointed not to get a, a more of a crack of the whip there because you know Goma was a Premier League defender. Um, but there wasn't, Yeah, you know, I wouldn't have said there was much of a case to put somebody like Melbourne ahead of you as much as what happened and then you moved out on loan and such forth. So I just wondered what you thought about that season. Were you, there was no fallout with Tagana or anything, was there? It
3: was- no, no. I mean, I I was at that stage in my career, I just wanted to play football, you know, as as I think, well, i say most players, I'm not sure it's the case these <laughs> days actually, but, but certainly then I just wanted to play every week and, you know, I, I had to play every week really, otherwise I would have been proper grumpy. So um And and as it as it panned out like like you mentioned sort of that Goma was obviously a quality player and he was he was going to be in certainly and it was going to be Goma and and Melv it looked like Mel was my mate as well obviously who were were going to be playing so and they're both very very good players but um, I wasn't really particularly happy being just sort of sub not used every week really which was the way it was looking like panning out so. I was on it to Garner for ages to either either play me or let me go basically, and um, he was he was great to Ghana and and he wanted me as part of the group because he he knew I was sort of good around the place and he, he knew he could trust me if he needed to play me type thing, but but he made it quite clear as well he, he I wasn't going to be the first choice, so it, it was more and I could have easily sat there and it was it was like I say brilliant. it's brilliant Fulham in the Premier League great stuff, but I wanted to play it I needed to play every week so. Um, I, I sort of kept kept pushing him and pushing him and knocking on his door, and in the end, he let he let me go to to Palace. Yeah,
1: you know, was he you, you and Cookie were the Thames Barrier before Breda and Hughes did it? And <laughs> do you ever wonder what you know might what have been if uh, he hadn't got injured? You know, could you have built the dynasty further?
3: Um, yeah, I mean, possibly. It's, it's all yeah, ifs, buts, and maybe's in it. It's, yeah, what what could have been? Obviously, Cookies had that that terrible car crash, which which basically finished his career. You know, so. Um, yeah, things things could have been, certainly could have been very, very different, certainly for him and, and, and yeah, for, for a few of us maybe. But, um, yeah, obviously then, you know, we've we both gone on and, and sort of managed the club after that. So, it's, it's and we used to joke about it as well, you know, when we were playing together, I'll be manager, you'll be my assistant. He's like, no, no, you'll be manager, I'll be, well, you be my assistant. <laughs> the other way sort of thing. So, you know, we'd, we'd always spoke about it. It may be very tongue-in-cheek back then, to be honest, but it's, it you know, stranger things have happened, and not it? You were about
1: nine months off playing for him. Yeah. If we had just stuck around yeah, well, eh? that's right, yeah. Thank
3: God for that. I think mean, I just, <laughs> just as well I got out. I imagine calling him Gaffer. For that. <laughs> anyway, um,
2: that Premiership season, um, obviously, again, this is kind of going back to some of the fired stuff, but it it felt like a little bit of a reality check because I think... Yeah, you know, people were predicting Fulham to finish in the Champions League and and things like that when we when we first got promoted, and then it was a little bit more of a dawning of reality that actually it's going to be tough for us even to to stay in this league, let alone actually compete at the higher elements. Do you think there was a shock within the club, especially after the money that was spent on on some of those players?
3: Well, maybe, maybe, possibly, but I think also, you know, quite a lot of the the players knew that the quality of the Premier League and how how tough for any, any newly promoted team it was going to be. But I mean, also I remember the first game, we were obviously Man United at Old Trafford and Louis Saha was incredible. I mean, it'd been, the season we got promoted was the best I've ever seen any any player over the course of a whole season. He was just ridiculous, Louis. The, you know, he, he'd go on his right, go on his left, strong in the air, quick over the top, hold the ball up as strong as an ox. He was like absolutely phenomenal. And all he, you know, his, his big thing was just staying fit which he did for us and he was absolutely incredible and that first day I think he scored two up at Old Trafford and I think Gary Neville played centre half with Yapstan maybe or something and he tortured them he was absolutely brilliant and so you're thinking we lost 3-2 bit of a dodgy award of a free kick and Beckham scored the winner Um, but you're looking at Louis thinking blimey he's you know if he's causing United these problems at Old Trafford he'll cause anyone problem but that said, we, we'd also realise the quality within the league and how how tough it would be. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, it was everything was a bit of on a bit of a crest of a wave and, and stuff. But I think most people probably realised it, it was going to be a, a tough call. Um, certainly not. We weren't with as a group of players. We weren't talking about Champions League stuff. That's for sure. You know, be, you know, you, you've got to treat the the league with the respect it deserves, and, and staying up was was first and foremost. This
2: is an advertisement for BetterHelp, a portal for finding online therapy. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run? Would you read more Fulham transfer rumours? Well, whatever it is, one thing that many of us have in common is wishing that we had more time. And therapy can be a place to help you work through what matters to you, so you can have more time to do it. Therapy is great for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the very best version of yourself. It's not just for those who experience major trauma. And if that's something you're looking for, that's where BetterHelp can come in. BetterHelp is entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. They'll match you with a UK mental health professional with a wide variety of expertise. There's no referral needed. And you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, giving you complete control over the whole experience. And Fulhamish listeners can get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash Fulhamish. That's h slash Fulhamish to get 10% off your first month.
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the US economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast.
1: And then, uh, what was it? Six, seven years later, you're back as a scout under Roy. What had the club changed the uh, team in those sort of intervening years?
3: Yeah, obviously, Roy. Roy was now um, manager, and it was um, you know I just finished finished seventh the season before, so we were Fulham in Europe. So you know we're talking about European football and Champions League being a bit of a sort of almost a giddy expectation back then. But a few years later on, you know, Fulham have qualified for a, a European competition, so the club had certainly kept on developing and evolving, um, and and Roy had, had done a brilliant job, I say, the season before. So I came in straight away, and and because um, Barry Simmons, who was the chief scout then, was the chief scout at Palace when I left Fulham and, and signed for Palace, so I knew Barry. I was I was sort of like out of work, and uh, he said, "I'll come in and do some scouting for us." So straight away, I came in and I was going all over Europe you know looking at games for, for Fulhams Europa League campaign so it was um it was a great time for me and I, I quite soon after coming in I um, I started doing a little bit of work with, with the within the academy as well which is something I've always been interested in and yeah, a few sessions for the under 13s and the under under 15s and things like that and it was yeah it was, it was good times.
1: You did, had a lot of success with the academies as well. I remember there was so much, it was one of the times where it was always talked about, like alongside the first team, you know, what Kit was doing with the academies. I mean, how, what, what was it like working with some of those groups of players because you ended up working with a lot of them a few years later?
3: Yeah, so it was, I mean, I, how it sort of transpired, it, 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 like I said, did some stuff for the under 13s. I remember going on tournaments to Finland uh, with them and then some of the older age groups. And then I ended up um, still doing the scouting, but then, Doing being assistant with the under 18s with Gary Brazil was taking the 18s. Um so I did quite a few months as as sort of Gary's assistant doing that. And it was brilliant, really good time. And Gary was was excellent, he was really, really good. Um and then he he sort of pulled me one day, Gary, and said personal reasons he was he was leaving. Um from Nottingham, so he was going to move back home and um and take up a job with the Premier League. Um but he said, I think you should take over and he wasn't leaving for a few months and he said, what, what I'd like to do is is you to take over and, and he'll sort of fade himself out and I'll step up. And that's exactly what we did. We went to Hugh Jennings, who's the academy director then. Um, Gary put this proposal forward, said he was leaving, but this was his plan and, and Hugh agreed to it. And then, so it was it was brilliant of Gary the way he did it um, and also great for me. So the, the takeover was like seamless really for the, for the players who were used to having me around anyway. I, I started stepping up doing a bit more and Gary started stepping back and then took the 18s, yeah. And then, um, I mean, that was probably for pure sort of enjoyment and satisfaction, taking Fulham 18s as my most enjoyable job in in coaching and managing. It was just, I absolutely loved it and um, sort of did it the way I felt was right and um, with an incredible staff as well and a great group of players. And then, like you say, I ended up taking... 21s and I got sort of pushed into that a little bit which I'll tell you about in a minute and then uh, um, and then ended up with the first team so it was it was it's sort of quite nice that a lot of these young lads who I had at the 18s I then was able to give some game time to in uh, in Fulham's first team.
2: Moving on to the time as first team coach you know you came in there a point from seven games under, under Felix Magath and we, you know obviously we were the relegated side, Fulham was supposed to be at the top end of the table, not the bottom end of the table. I mean, that must have just been a basket case when when you when you took that job.
3: It was, yeah, the, the club was in an absolute mess. It was, you know, and it's, that's not too strong a word at all or too strong a description. It was it was an absolute mess um, from sort of, well, all, all the way through, really. I mean, the squad, I don't know if you remember, the first game of that season was Ipswich away and, and there was... Um, I think ten club debuts and nine uh, league debuts, nine championship debuts. I think Ross had played Ross McCormack had obviously played for Cardiff and Leeds in the championship, but club debut and Scotty was the only one I think Scotty Parker who played for a full and first team before and played at, at that level. So it was it was it was a load of kids in there and a load of boys who didn't know the league. Um, and it was it was just the biggest mess ever it was it was incredible what what had gone on and I was um I was considering leaving because I I'd, I was sort of like really upset watching the way things had, were going and and I'm, I was I got pushed up to the 21s then um and so I was sort of quite close to it a load of my boys if you like were being taken off me up to the first team and I think that those weren't being treated properly at all and um and it was being allowed to happen. And I was so I was yeah, not not happy with it at all, to say the least. And I was um I was ready to leave because so I, I didn't want to sit there and, and witness it. And like you say, the results were I mean one point from the first seven games. Um last one being obviously Forrest away. Um and, and it was it was just a big, a massive mess. And and I mean we had, I remember I I, like I say I was taking the 21's training. So I'd be taking my boys' training. I'd look over and they'd be they'd be doing fifteen against fifteen on a pitch. And then but you get Hugo, Brian Ruiz, and Fernando and Mibieta playing head tennis on their own, because they weren't allowed to join in the training. So it was just crazy crazy times. And like I say I was I was watching this and thought, whatever it's been allowed to happen to like my football club. And I'm like I was all set to go and then literally you know, a couple of days later, I get sort of told I've got to take over because uh, that's the way. Yeah, obviously Felix had gone, and that's what
1: happens. There yeah, There's a couple of elements of play, I guess. Obviously, Magat was famed for being a bit of a an nutter, and I'm sure we we'll get on to him. <laughs> But you see then uh, you saw the transition from Mo leaving and then the Khans coming in. Like was it was that element of play where they're sort of there for trying to find their feet? I mean, I think it's safe to say it didn't get off to the best start for the Khans. It took a while for them to sort of find their feet in terms of what they wanted to do
3: with the club. So was it a sort of a mixture of both? Like- yeah, it was it was like I say it was the whole um, there were a lot of a lot of things going on at the club and the whole situation it was a, a one great big mess really and it needed sorting out and like i said with the new ownership i mean they they didn't know english football at all obviously so as, as you rightly said it sort of took them quite a bit of time um to, to get to understand it and learn more about it and how it works and it's certainly in a in a the club's in a much better place now than it was back then um but i mean my my initial thing was just trying to sort things out on the pitch but also because the way Fulham is and and with Motspur Park being um, home to most of the, uh, the, um, the office staff as well. It's the whole, it's that whole environment, which was just a a dark place. It was like when Scar took over the pride lands, it was a flip. (laughs) And honestly, it was like, there's someone had turned the lights off. There's a big dark cloud over, you know, depression over, over Motspur Park. It was a horrible place to be. And it, and it never had been. It used to be brilliant. I remember when, when Roy was manager and I, I remember Henry Winter came in to do an interview with Roy and I saw him a couple of weeks later on up at, I was watching a game up at Anfield uh, and I saw Henry and he made a beeline for me he came over and said oh your place is brilliant he said the atmosphere there Motspur Park and it's just quite tight obviously it's quite it's it was all old buildings and it's quite sort of tight and the, um, he came up for lunch Henry after doing the interview with Roy and uh, you know the academy boys are rubbing shoulders with the the, the bread of hanging ends and your Aaron Hughes's and um, and then they're mixing with the office staff as well. It was, it was brilliant. It was really, really good. And it was just, that that was Fulham. That's how Fulham, and let's say Henry made a point, who's obviously been to all the clubs, He made the point of, of saying how good he felt Fulham was. Well, that had completely gone. And it was, you know, it was just dark days and none of the office staff were allowed to be in the canteen at the same time as the players. None of the, the reserves couldn't see the first-team boys at all. They'd be completely different. It was like... A, it was, it was bizarre, some of the stuff that was going on and was being allowed to happen. And like I say, oh, I wasn't happy with it and I was ready to, to go. Were you hesitant to take the, obviously
2: you offered it as a caretaker and then you did well and then you got the, offered the permanent job. Was there any point where you thought, oh, this is, this is a big one, I don't, I, I don't know. Or was it just too good an opportunity?
3: It was more a case, I mean, I don't remember, if you remember back then, like the, the Fulham fans were all singing, like we want our Fulham back, yeah. was, was the big song because it, it had gone. It wasn't there anymore. It wasn't the club. Like I say, you know, Henry Winter had said what a brilliant environment it was. And that that had all gone. That had completely gone by the wayside. And it was not a nice place. Um, And so it was almost because of my history as a player and this and the other. And I, you know, I'm a bit of a soppy sod. I can't out throw myself into whatever, wherever I am and what I'm doing. So I'd I'd sort of love, genuinely love the club as a player. And then having come back and and worked. The 18s, would say the 21s. I had a, a genuine sort of love and feel for the for the, for the place and the, all the people there as well, and the players and, and the fans and everything. So, you know, my thing in my head, all, we want our Fulham back. Well, I've got a, and it was a difficult job to actually. I think it needed to be. I mean, you could have, you know, could have got in um, another good manager who would have would have certainly eventually done a good job. But I think. I do honestly believe that they at that, that stage the club needed someone who actually understood the club a little bit to sort of get it back. And um although things didn't quite work out as I would have wanted in the end as as manager, you know, the fans were then singing, we've got our Fulham back. So I've gone from we want it back to we've got it back. So that's, that. Was, in, in effect, I think that's, that was my big job to, to get them to a place where they could actually add their club back. You know, and and like I say, because it was it was dark days and it was an absolute mess.
1: No, absolutely. I mean, I think we always fought for many years. Like we had a manager in waiting with, with the success you we have in the academy, and then obviously when the time comes, you don't get to really pick when that opportunity comes. But when it did come, it was it was almost an impossible task, wasn't it? Like I know you 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 got us sort of going again and got that Fulham back, that mentality back, but obviously you know if you'd if you'd if they'd brought somebody else in and then they'd laid some groundwork and then you came in after that who knows what could have happened that's what i always think about
3: yeah it was i mean it, like i say I don't, you know i'm not one one of those to have sort of uh too many regrets and things like that and I, you know i listen i've been manager of fulham so i can, I can say that I'm, I'm very proudly so and also it was at probably the the darkest time um, for in i don't know in in well, going back certainly several years, I know you know. The, obviously, there were there were tough times. Not that long actually before I signed for the club, when uh you know nearly went out of existence and things like that. So I'm not saying it was the worst time ever, but it was a it was a very tough time. Um, and so I was able to to do that. So I'm I'm quite proud of the the job I did. I think I slightly misread it, um, in as much as having played, obviously, them years before. Um, and and sort of had a, a good feeling with the, with the fans. I you know I thought that was like a Fulham way of playing a little bit as well. And I, so I, I had this. i say it was a mishmash of a squad. Really, um, it wasn't an assembled squad at all. Um, and I knew I had that for. I mean, I, I didn't make many signings. I mean, we brought in obviously TC came and uh, Tim Ream and a few others on sort of like free transfers or whatever. But we didn't. Couldn't make many signings at that time, um, or certainly when I was there. I was promised um, holding midfielder and a couple of centre backs, but uh, never never materialised. Um, Big Kev McDonald actually was the one we were after, and then Sods Laurie ends up coming, doesn't he? A couple of a little while after I'd, I'd gone, but he would have been ideal for us. We were crying out for that holding midfield player. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've got sort of no regrets about it and um, things could have been different. As, you know, But I, yeah, I, I did what I did and I'm, I'm sort of very proud. I mean, I took over the, the club when they were rock bottom of the championship and I sort of got sacked when we were like mid-table, six points off playoffs or whatever we were, five points off playoffs and the leading scorers in the championship. So I went a little bit, like I said, I did go a little bit all out attack and thought, it's not quite right. And we, we the balance wasn't there within the playing squad. But rather than maybe trying to shut up shop, and we probably would have got the same number of points, but would have been less attractive football, I thought it might buy me more time, give Fulham fans what they want. I mean, my last four games, we beat Reading 4-2, and then Bristol City 4-1. And then we lost to Burnley uh, away, midweek game at Turf up I think they won the league, Burnley, or certainly got promoted. And then it was, we got beat by Birmingham at home, which was the one that killed me. With because um, they couldn't score a goal, Birmingham scored five against us. Yeah. So, uh, uh, but yeah, so we were scoring goals. I mean, and and winning games by big margins. But then we could get get smacked as well, which I knew it wasn't right. The balance wasn't right. But I thought if as long as things kept progressing um, and we kept improving, and, and the league position, obviously, like I say, we were rock bottom when I took over. So, um. We comfortably, in the end, stayed up that season. Um, in the end, although it wasn't pretty, um, then the following season, like I say the balance wasn't right. But we were, we were sort of a work in progress, and we were scoring a load of goals. But yeah, defensively we weren't great, and I knew the balance wasn't right. But uh, I maybe misread it a little bit. I should have been a little bit more maybe conservative with the approach. But sod it, we scored loads of goals, and I. We had a good time, sir.
2: So. <laughs> I, it was kind of my next question, is that there were some incredible highs, but so just it's incredible yeah, yeah. lows in there as well. Yeah. I remember, like, I looked back at the, the, the first full season where you were. I remember being away at Brighton when we won yeah. that game, and Darren Bent um, yeah, exactly. made, yeah, yeah. Made, made, yeah. made a fool of himself, and we, we won away at Leeds as well, and Roddy Jaeger scored a goal, a goal. Sandwiched in between, that was a 5-0 loss to Watford, who were yeah. good that year and, won, yeah. and, and got promoted. But was that just maybe I thought symptomatic of the players we had where you just had in some areas of the squad, ridiculous premier league quality, but then just a load of youngsters and quite random foreigners that were, that were brought in on freeze and super cheap transfers. Well,
3: That's exactly it. It's, it was like I said, it was a mishmash of a squad. It's that's not an assembled squad. And there was all these, like say some good young kids, um, but who probably weren't ready. And then, Couple of senior pros, but again, not many. And then a load of foreign foreign boys who who didn't know the league and you know, some, I mean, some of them were decent, but a lot of them were cheap cheap buys, very cheap buys, um, and not really appropriate for for what we needed at that time, you know. And it, so, yeah, you know, it was it was you know it wasn't an easy an easy call at all. But I mean, at Watford game, Talk, talked. I remember Betts got sent off um, very early on. Yeah, that's it. Gabor. I knew Gabor well from I was at Palace with him. Um so I knew Gabor and his great tracksuit bottoms very well. So <laughs> um but he he was in goal at Leeds when we beat Leeds that, that came on about as well, Gabor. Yeah. So um yeah, it was like I say it was it was crazy times and it was very messy a lot of it. But then obviously over you know, over time, the, the squad was able to to be more assembled, if you like. And, and the club's gone on and done brilliantly, and I've been delighted to see it. I've
2: got a few kind of individual player questions. And actually, the first one is genuinely a kind of rags-to-riches story in terms of football. It's Dan Byrne. He was part of your side, and I think we all knew that Dan Byrne had some potential. He was a big centre-back, great at heading it out. But, you know, released at Fulham by the season after, after you left... And we know what he's gone on to do now. So is there any indication that this boy was the kind of Champions League level defender that he's, that he's turned out to be? Because it's amazing, his rise.
3: Maybe not Champions League, but I remember speaking to Dan not long after he'd, you know, I'd taken over. As, as, and I said, mate, you, you are like a Fulham captain, 100%. You're like, you've got Fulham captain material. And if you keep your head down and stay, you, you know, you'd be captain of this club and, and you'd be very successful. So I knew he'd go on and, and become... Um, a good player not necessarily Champions League and stuff like that he's, he's done brilliant I'm delighted for him because he he's one who deserves it and his, his attitude his mentality um, was fantastic what he probably needed at that time was was an experienced centre half to play because so I he's because he's such a big lump like you know six foot seven or whatever sometimes people you know they take size for for experience then or something but, but still he's still a young player developing and, and very much learning the game and he, he would have, I think, um, he would have done even better sooner at Fulham with, with a, a more established... I mean, him, I had him and, and Hutch, really, Sean Hutchinson, who, um, again, and both both sort of quite young boys, um, sort of both learning at that level as well. So they're both great lads, smashing lads, and both good players, but but it wasn't probably the ideal pairing. But probably for for both of them together, like I say, if if Dan, say, had been alongside um, a more experienced, I mean, Dan alongside an Aaron Hughes type thing would have, you know, you see that one working, um, that type scenario. But I mean, I was promised, I remember, I was promised Duncan Duncan Tarkovsky (laughs) and neither of them turned up. But um, yeah, so uh, yeah, the, the recruitment was a little bit was interesting at that time when I first came in as well. It's, it's certainly improved a lot more.
2: What yeah. was that b- before the stats stuff really started taking off? Or was that at the time or were they? No, trying it was at to- the
3: time, yeah. So it was obviously Tony um and his at the time friend um who were doing all the stats and it was that was very difficult, yeah. So uh so did you have did you have any say? Um, not really. Uh, no, I mean like, so obviously, obviously Tom Kearney, like, so Mike Rigg was in at the time as well as, um, yes. chief football officer, I think it was his title. I can't remember what title that they gave him. Um, so Riggy, I knew a little bit from, from the Welsh FA, um, who's coming in and, and so Riggy spoke to me about Tom Kearney and I was like, yeah, brilliant. He's, you know, he's, that's like a no brainer. He's, he was doing great things at Blackburn. Um, in the division, so we knew he could play in the division and was a very good player. So he was obviously a no-brainer, so he ran in past me. Tim Ream as well. Um Riggy was speaking speaking to me about, but then some there was some some quite random ones who are coming from stats who uh yeah, we so we did who um sort of came out of nowhere a little bit. Um
2: and in the end, right. it was those kind of like tried and tested players that proved themselves in the championship, you know, Tom and Tim, who have, who have fully stood the test of time. I'm sure there was one or two good
3: Yeah, well, well guys. this is what well, this was a big part of my thing. I, I, I took over, and like, like we spoke about earlier, it, it was a mishmash of a squad. There's a load of uh, boys who'd come from other leagues who, who hadn't played in the championship. And a championship's quite a unique league, and you, it helps certainly if you've got championship experience. So I, that's what I said. I, we need a few players or a, a nucleus of players with championship experience to get us out of the championship. Um, and that didn't go down well with certain people at the club for some reason. Um, they're not there now, but they're... Um, yeah, it was, so it was, it was a difficult time and it wasn't... There was a, a lot of, again, as I said, strange things were going on and um, basically, yeah, certainly a lot not better now.
2: Another player that I want to ask about because I was fascinated about... Honestly, I think if actually... Back, if I had to write some sort of like PhD on Fulham, I would choose this kind of three years because I find it one of the most fascinating times at Fulham because there's so many questions. Um, Brian Ruiz, because he arrived at Fulham, he never quite hit the magic that he obviously had in, in Holland where, it, where he won the league. But then he was playing for you in that championship season. It was quite <laughs> clear that he wanted a move, never got one. But... Almost to the point where I never forget he scored a last-minute winner against Rezing at the Hammersmith. Then should be a great moment. No matter whether you want to be there or not, that should be enjoyable. And he had a He was he was frowning almost. He He, he didn't even celebrate. Was that just him being like, "No, nah, I've got this. I'm the man," or was he just that annoyed that he couldn't even bring himself to celebrate?
3: Um, yeah, I think there was. I mean, it, like as I said earlier, also there was there was Brian um, Fernando and Hugo had been treated really, really badly. For I don't know why, but for whatever reason, they weren't allowed to train with the first-team squad, which was a massive first-team squad of about 30 players. Mm. Those three were put on the side of the pitch playing head tennis every day alongside the first. So they weren't, I mean, I think they would have rather it. It would have been better for them if they had been sent over to me taking the 21s. Mm. They would have got some proper training. So. So they weren't happy with the way they'd been treated by the club, as as they saw it, you know. And I, I don't blame them because it was it was wrong. Um, so then the first thing I did, I got it was um, I think we lost to, to Forest on the Wednesday, and then it was right at the end of the working day on the Thursday, I got called in and said to take over. So I called my immediate staff, they were with me, with the twenty ones um, around my house. And we had like a, a meeting about what are you going to do? Because it's, it's a mess. <laughs> and we play, we're we playing Blackburn on a Saturday at the Cottage. And um, so the first thing I did was was phone up the, the three amigos, as we used to call them. I got Fernando, Hugo and Brian. So And, and Brian was, I'm like, Brian, do, do you want to play? You know, I, I, you've been treated badly. I, I apologise for that. You know, it wasn't my doing, but we've got to try and get out of this mess. You know, one point from seven. I don't think any club's ever stayed up with, with only one point from seven games. Um. I said we're in a mess. Do you want to? Do you want to be part of it? Helps. He said I want to play football, and um, and be fair to him. He was he was, um, it, it was an interesting character, Brian. Quite a complex sort of character as a person. Really nice lad and a very very talented footballer. Probably not ideally suited to the the championship and the style of play there. And I remember that Watford game he spoke about. Bets got sent off. Um, and then I took Brian off because I'm thinking we're down a man and we're going to, it's going to be a scrap because they were a really good side Watford at that time. Um, and so I took Brian off and he was really unhappy about it. I said, mate, I, I, I'm doing you a favour because it's like, it's, gonna, it's just going to be a scrap now and, and a, a fight. And it's, that's, you're not that type of player. So I, I need to save you for the games you can help us win. Not, you know, the, the games, because I think Betts got sent off giving away penalties. so they're already 1-0 down. Um and I, I, you know, I was trying to do him a favour, but he was really upset about that. And I had to get him in the office and explain my why I did it and the reasons I did it. You know, I was trying to sort of look after him as much as anything else. Um, so he was quite, it was quite a complex character, um, but was was a brilliant footballer, was a real talent, and you know, I know I say he's not probably wasn't ideally suited to the to the British Championship, English Championship. But he he had real qualities and, and we needed those qualities to help us stay up that season because we weren't bringing any other players in um, and and we needed him. And he, like I say, he popped up with a few goals, few assists and and it made it quite clear he wanted to leave because of the way he'd been treated and so on and so forth. So I fully understood that. So I've, I've certainly got no bad words to say about him and and, and he, he, you know, he ended up doing his job for the club and, and, and helped keep us up. But he was was certainly an enigma, I think it's fair to say.
0: Our future is closer than we think. Our needs are growing. And so is the demand for energy, including more U.S. oil and natural gas. Our economy, our security, our nation all run on energy. Oil and natural gas make up more than 70% of the energy we use every day. And American energy is produced to among the highest environmental standards in the world.
3: Ability to receive a quote depends on membership eligibility. Membership eligibility and product restrictions apply and are subject to change. USAA means United Services Automobile Association and its affiliates, San Antonio, Texas. One of the other
1: successful players that came up through the Academy of You and then went into the first team, Moussa Dembele, who, you know, has gone on to do some decent stuff as well, especially at Celtic. I mean, tell us a bit about him. What was he like to work with? Because him and McCormack, obviously, well, McCormack especially, the two of them up top were... Uh, Pretty, pretty good.
3: Well, that was yeah. So that was, I mean, my the, the the sort of like our strength was was also our weakness a little bit, if you like. So I knew like Ross and Musa as a pairing would score goals mm. for for fun. Um, um, but neither of them were defensive minded for dropping into a into a shape defensively. So bottom line, we had to like say not not literally all out attack, but I knew we'd be more offensive than defensive playing those two. But I knew they'd score goals. Um, then it would be a case of Ross you couldn't really play Moosa was a young player developing clearly going to be a very good player was physically was very strong quick could hold the ball up uh, but was still learning the game a little bit so neither of them you could really play as a lone striker um, so you sort of had to play them both together uh, but then knowing they wouldn't be particularly strong defensively for us Um and unfortunately, like I say, we had the two centre-halves who were still both developing, Dan and, and Hutch, um, didn't really have a holding midfield player, which was what we're crying out for. That was my big thing that we wanted, like saying Kevin McDonald was one we You
2: can't kind of have Jamie
3: O'Hara, but... I bought Jamie in on a free transfer. I mean, he couldn't get a club, Jay, and He came in and did great for us. The, like five man of the matches, didn't he? Must be was... Perlow, yeah. He yeah. yeah. got a like, few man of the matches. But then... I. And did great overall for us, and but he, he's not a holding midfield player really. No, you no, know, he's he'll get on the ball and make you tick, and he did he did really well for us. And um, I was a little bit surprised. I mean, he'd sort of come out of nowhere, and he, he had certain things going on in his life and that, Jamie. But I, no one else would give him give him an opportunity, but I got him in and gave him a chance, and he I thought he did all right for us. To be to be fair, I say five man of the matches will, will speak for itself a little bit. But um, obviously he. he went straight away as soon as I am um, as I left he I don't think hung around too long did he yeah. um so I'm not quite sure what happened with that but yeah he came in but we you know he came in for nothing obviously we didn't buy him he, he's a complete free and just got him in for a few weeks training and then chucked him in so, yeah. but we didn't really have that orthodox holder uh, I mean, Scotty Parker was the closest we've got to it, but he was—he was injured most of the time, and, and he's not really a, a proper holder. He—he's he's more, you know, was a high energy player who'd go flying out, closing people down, and would set the tone by by his energy rather than. I, I really wanted for the way we, I, I, I thought we had to play a like I say, a Kevin Mac Super Mac who could sit in there and. Wasn't going to run around too much, but is always going to be there, be reliable, start to play for you and would give that defensive shield to to the centre-backs. But unfortunately, we didn't get it.
2: Yeah, And one player who really shone for you, I feel like, Lasse-Vegan Christensen. And it, I don't really know why it never clicked for him after that kind of spell at Fulham. I know he's moved to other countries and he's had a bit of success here and there, but... I thought he was I, th- I thought he was on course to be one of our greatest ever players. That that season he was on fire, just on the right hand side of that diamond.
3: Yeah, he's um he was a good player. Obviously last I knew him very well from had him in the in the youth team in the 21s. we had some good players. Um and he was one who stood out because his, his athleticism was was perfect for the You know, you say Brian Ruiz probably wasn't ideal with his, his great qualities, but not really matched for the championship. Lass's physicality and energy was perfect for the championship. He, he was a real box to box. I remember, uh, I think uh, it was I think Sheffield Wednesday just before Christmas. We, they had a corner and we break and Lass scores. He, he runs the length of the pitch and and scores at the other end from a from a counter attack, which was was him all over. And that was that was the way we used to play in the or I, I had the team playing in the twenty ones because of his energy and and. The other players that could complement that, so yeah, he, he he did brilliant for me. Lass was a great lads, and and again, I'm just glad that I could give some of these boys, um, the opportunity. I mean, we didn't, you know, I didn't have anyone else to play to be honest, um, as well because we didn't, like I said, we didn't make many signings, um, or signings that I could play in the first team, um, but I was able to give Lass an opportunity. Who did very well, like I say, even even. Um, someone like Sean Kavanagh I remember we, we beat Norwich 1-0 at the cottage when they were top of the league, and, and Cav, a young boy from Ireland, was able he scored the winning goal and it was his birthday and his mum was over from Ireland and everything. So it was like it was all set up perfectly. So, you know, he he didn't go on and play many more games for Fulham, but he'll always have that memory of scoring the winning goal for Fulham against the top of the table side and on his birthday and his mum was over, so I was able to give him that. So
2: he had a lot of highs and lows, I feel like. That yeah, was that was maybe yeah. one of the things looking back over the spell. You know,
3: the, the, the win against
2: QPR and all of that. Like there was some yeah, real there was some real great wins in there, but there were some real lows. Yeah, some as well. I mean, I remember
3: we smashed Bolton at home, but it'd be either big wins or sort of quite big defeats or or even I think we ended up we end up drawing away at Chelten, but we were smashing them and we should have I think it was a sky game. I think we ended up drawing it, but we could have lost it in the end, actually. We we were the game was won. And then suddenly they got level. Uh, but then I think they had a chance right at the end, we could have even lost it. And that sort of summed us up. That's but I sort of knew that. Like I say, the balance wasn't right. And I did I did know that. Um and I could have played like I say, I could have played a lot more defensively, um, and we probably would have got roughly the same amount of points, but it wouldn't have been as attractive football, and I'm not sure it would have bought me any more time, if I'm perfectly honest. So I'm I'm again, even now I'm quite happy with. Sort of the decisions are made, and I'll probably do the same again.
1: Um, obviously, when they let you go, November twenty fifteen. Who did you speak to? Who was uh, on the call for that? Because was how how involved were you with Alistair McIntosh? Because he's still here, and he comes in for criticism in a lot of quarters, right and wrongly. I, what was it like working with him? And did he have? Was it him who spoke to you, or
3: no? So what? So what? Actually, when I got sacked, obviously we lost at home to to Birmingham on the Saturday afternoon. Um, and then the Saturday night, I was I was going back to Basingstoke to a night was arranged to see some of my school friends around one of their houses for, for a bite to eat and stuff. So and I was staying over and, and went back the next day. Now, um, as I was driving back there, um, I got a phone call from Riggy saying, "Oh, you got to come in for uh, for a phone call with the owner tomorrow." So it was obvious what was going to happen. Um, and and had been also there'd been a bit of talk before. Um, so I remember I, I spoke about that Reading game, which is like the first one, of my last four games. Um, there were there were sort of murmurings that I was going to be replaced before the Reading game. So I spoke to Riggie and I said, mate, I, listen, I'm hearing this. I'd want to know, be up front with me at least. Let me know what the situation is. Um, so he came back to me and said, you've, you've got to win. You've got to beat Reading. So um, we're 1-0 down at half time. Um so I give a rousing team talk, and we come out, and then we're two 0 down within about five minutes of the five minutes of the second half kicking off. So I remember my late my mate Layton, who was like head of security. I'm like Leighton, go and start the engine. It's, it's one of them. So we're two 0 down, and then um, like I say, the boys just kicked into gear, and and Moussa and Ross McCormack had a field day, and we ended up scoring four goals and could have scored more. Um, and then ended up winning four two. So I knew there. Were, there once you hear there's murmurings that you're going to be replaced. So we won that one. Then we go and beat Bristol City four one away the following week. Um, and so you're thinking, well, you know, that's not bad. <laughs> those two scoring eight goals in two games, one of them being away from home against a good side. And but then once once you hear that that you've got to win this game to do it, you know, it's a matter of time then. So I know. So I've been in football long enough. So anyway, back to your questions. I, I, I drove back to Basel and, and Riggy said, I'll be in at 10 o'clock to speak to the owner. Now, I'm never late for anything ever, uh, especially professionally sort of thing. So I turned up about quarter to 11 that <laughs> the next day because I knew I was going to get sacked. Yeah. So I thought, I'm not going to rush in and get sacked. <laughs> something they can flipping wait for me. So anyway, and sure enough, yeah, I just spoke to the owner for 30 seconds. He just said they were making a change and that was it. So
2: Was there an element? Because as much as we all remember Yukanovic for the promotion... The rest of that season, barring a couple of small highs, was incredible. I mean, we were so close to League One at one at one yeah. point. Um, obviously, Jukanovic, I think, got in his players that he wanted. He got the likes of McDonald and the recruitment just seemed to be a little bit more sensible um that following summer. But there must have been an element for you where you were like, well, he was a good manager, Slavisa, and he... Really struggled to get a tune out of that squad.
3: Well, I think he was manager of that Watford team who, who, yeah. when we got smashed 5 uh, 0 and Betz got sent off. So, he, yeah, he knew, again, he knew the championship very well. He was a good manager, you know, yeah. a, a decent guy as well and, and a good manager. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I had the squad of players that I had. Um, and then he, you know, he was actually able to bring in a, a couple of, of, of players he wanted, but they, you know, pretty much same squad with a couple of better players that I, I would have liked as well um and he just stayed up so I'm, I'm like well there you go that's that, that's with that group of players and um so i i thought i was doing probably pretty much as well as anyone could do with that group of players yeah at that period of time um and i say it got it certainly got a lot worse after i mean we were like like I say it was very much a work in progress, and I knew the balance wasn't right. But we, I think, I'm convinced we would have certainly finished top half of the table if I'd have stayed and, and carried on the way we we're going, and then looking to build. And when you when you think we've been relegated from the Premier League and then we're, we're bottom of the Championship, this is progress. So I'm, I'm thinking well, all the time it's going in the right direction. Keep it going. If you now, if I had have you know taken over a team that were were top and finished third bottom. I was like, you understand, you've you, you done a very good job there, you deserve to get the bullet. But, I sort of, yeah, I was a little bit miffed and, and upset with the way it happened. But, also, this is football. And like I say, my big thing was, you know, fans wanted their full and back. Yeah. So I gave it back, so.
2: And, um, thoughts on the the current Fulham team and uh, and how they're getting on in the in the Premier League this season as we record we're uh, in between the the Carabao Cup semis and uh we did annoyingly lose the derby against Chelsea but i mean yeah it's 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 pretty good times for for the club other than you know not winning you know apart from small defeats but we've yeah, would taken this 10 years ago
3: i think so and also i mean um I think with with obviously Mitrovic going and they're not really directly replacing him as as such um I think they've done pretty well and they play they certainly play so, I mean I think he's a he's a great manager uh, Marco Silva I think he's he's doing a really good job there um and and, and I think they have got a good team as well you know when um, everyone's everyone's fitting well I'm obviously Jimenez now finding his scoring touch has been a a, a big thing um, and if he can continue that, then everything will be... I mean, it's, it'll be fine no matter what. Um, I expect Fulham will probably finish sort of like mid-table, realistically. I think that's probably about right for this season. And I think that I'm pretty sure that's that's what they will do. Um, and if you look at that and then, you know, one one game away from a cup final potentially, which could be brilliant. I mean, there's a, you know, obviously a good performance the first leg. Um could have got that second goal, had opportunities to mm. to get that second goal, which would obviously would have made uh, made it look very, very different now coming back to the cottage. But but even so, you know, on a I mean there, there's some magical nights at the cottage under the under the lights, um, in, in Cup games over the years, wherever they've been so certainly wouldn't rule out, be a bit of a shock, I suppose, but would be wouldn't rule out, wouldn't be the greatest shock in the world to me, certainly, if uh, if Fulham were to to be able to to overcome and get to the final
2: well look Kit um, it's honestly been fascinating I think we could have done this podcast for about five hours and um, gone through every single member of the squad of the of uh, of the of the 2014-16 to 16, um, season but we're, we're limited on time so um, yeah thank you for coming on today and um, wish you all the best and hopefully we'll see you at the cottage very soon
3: definitely yeah I, saw, I did see Dave Daly I went to an 1879 dinner um, a couple of weeks ago and I uh, spoke to Dave Daly and I said I'll definitely be along for a game soon so yep see you all at the cottage
1: Kit.
3: Thanks, Drew. Thank you very much.